Nolan Jones is up, and Guardian stock is down. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two. Get the Subscribe to Selfie is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. I'm TJ, that's Zach. He's got to catch an airplane, so the Guardians stink. Nolan Jones has looked pretty good. They've got three All-Stars. Thanks for coming, everybody. Have a good week. <laughs> it's strange, you know. I, I think there's so many positives and negatives at the same time, and it's like I tweeted today about the three All-Stars, and someone replied, no one cares. They lost 8-9. to nine. I get it. I guess it depends what you want to focus on, and I think most people are still going to look at the bottom line, and it uh, it was an ugly week. That's one way to phrase it, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that would, ugly would definitely be one way I would phrase everything that has taken place. And really, you go back to that homestand that started with Boston that you claimed was going to be the greatest homestand that's ever, <laughs> that's ever happened. Yeah, it hasn't been quite the case that they stunk at home. They had some... Some good victories against Minnesota, but this team, when they're not getting those last-minute thrilling come-from-behind victories, it's not going so well. And unfortunately, you have to change your name, too. I mean, that has to be like a doubles blow there. You weren't ready for that. Wait, why? No, wait, no, you, you I get won. to keep your name. That's right. Yeah. Whoa, you get to keep your name. Congrats. Yeah, we don't want. We don't have time for this. I mean, we've been over this before. It's Z-A-C-K. Anyone who spells it with an H is wrong. So, yeah, Zach Cranky got the better of Zach Plesak. And just, you know, I don't think anyone expects this team to win 95 games. I don't think anyone expected this team to continue the torrid stretch they were on for the entire summer. But, man, like, if you just got one in Detroit and then maybe one more in Kansas City, there were opportunities, and I think I think the thing that makes it doubly frustrating. I don't I don't know if this is true or not. It's certainly anecdotal, but doesn't it seem like when it's the offense that is the culprit for a rough stretch? People take it harder. <laughs> like I think they're more angry, uh, and I don't know why that is. Maybe because it's a more boring brand of baseball oh, to yeah. watch. Yeah, But that just always seems to be the case. I think we've covered this before. When your offense isn't doing anything, you just look dead. Even if it's one nothing, you're trailing, 2 nothing, you're trailing. And the starting pitching, by the way, hasn't always been great here recently either. Uh, you know, Tristan McKenzie has been really good in his last two outings, the one against the Yankees. I know he walked a lot in, in Kansas City, but uh, fantastic results. But when you're not scoring runs, your team looks like the old Manny Act a adage, zombie baseball. It looks like you 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 just look like you're going through the motions, and unfortunately, I think they kind of are just limping their way to the to the All Star break. Doesn't this just look like a team that's dead right now? Like energy level, they just look dead. And on top of that, no Josh Naylor, and when he is in the lineup, he's banged up. Poor Andres Jimenez. I mean, we'll get to him being an All Star here in a second, but 
what are the odds that that guy is going to get drilled in the All-Star game? Because that's just what happens with him now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, we said this last week, it's like that's another reason to call up someone like Nolan Jones, who definitely provided a jolt this weekend. And I guess it just makes you wonder, do you need to make some other moves here over the next, I don't know, Mm. few weeks? Because Mm. it depends what you're, what your goals are. I just, I, I don't know. I think there are, again, I come back to, there are, there are encouraging storylines and developments here. Like Nolan Jones coming up and I know it was only one weekend, but he looked the part like that's, that just speaks to how important it is to see him do this the rest of the summer. The question is, you know, are you, are you going to make some changes so that there are more intriguing options in there? Or are we going to watch more of Ernie Clement and Oscar Mercado and Luke Maley and on and on and on? Yeah, I mean, I get it to some extent when you have Naylor down, when you have Jimenez down. I mean, you're going to dip into your bench. <laughs> My problem is, as we've said, like it feels like a hundred times over the last few shows, when you're seeking chances to play Ernie Clement, when you're seeking opportunities to bring back Oscar Mercado and thrust him into the lineup, that's when you start to have an issue so I on some level I get it because they are banged up and I know all of the double headers and all these games they've taken their toll on them in more ways than one so as I said I think on the Patreon show from an evaluation standpoint I get it it doesn't make it any easier to swallow when they get their butts kicked by Detroit they go to Kansas City in okay so they have the blowout game they they're, they're hitting home runs off of a center fielder and then they come back and then you got nothing that that's it's a different conversation, I guess. Are, are we talking about evaluation? Because then there are plenty of good things that I still like about what's happening. But are we talking about short-term raising the expectation level because they had gone through a stretch or they played really well? Well, if we're weighing it against that, then this past stretch, that's inexcusable. Even if you are without Naylor and Jimenez and you have to back, go to some of your backup. You have to have a better week than you did against Detroit and Kansas City. We just said it. I think one week ago that this is a chance for them to get healthy in one way or another. And they certainly didn't do that, do that this week. They went the opposite direction. Yeah, they're not even living up to the critics who always say, oh, they can't beat the good teams. They only beat up on the cupcakes. Well, they haven't even done that lately. <laughs> so, Are you happy you got your way? And meanwhile, I've got them embroiled in the middle of a debate right now on social media about your boy... Herman Marquez, people loving your idea. So there, yeah. keep pushing that narrative. Not just uh, random YouTubers either. I mean, I, I floated that out there. I think I was the first one. So uh, pat my back on that one. What's wrong with that idea? Even if the Guardians are under 500, Marquez helps them for a couple of years. I, I just want to see that guy get out of Colorado, and I want to see him work with Cleveland pitching, the, the coaches, the development team, the, the, everything they've got in place work on his pitch mix, I think it's a winning recipe. I think it would go better than Ubaldo went when they traded for him. That's fine, and that would be your only, the only change to the roster because the guys do $15.3 million next season, and <laughs> you have a team option for $16 million the year Okay. After. Hey, I'll take the scenario here, dude, where they actually spend some money. If, if I'm guaranteed they're going to spend some money on somebody, I will take that over not knowing what the hell they're going to do. It, it, it's a fine addition if they can go trade for 
a stud hitter who is still pre-arb or inexpensive. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm saying this assuming the payroll is not going to double in size. I don't know what it's going to do going into next year, but I just, you know, we don't need to go down this road again. We talked about it last week. That's your guy. I get it. I'm not doubting that, like, he would be an interesting reclamation project. <laughs> yeah. But costly I, one, too. I don't know. But also, like, what about the guys in house? I mean, I, I, you know, it was interesting being in Kansas City where <laughs> they, it, it's, it's bizarre talking to Royals people because they don't know how to develop pitching. But they drafted a bunch of highly touted pitching a few years ago as if they did know how to develop pitching. And the problem is now those guys are all uh, big league adults and they can't get outs. And the Royals are still really bad. And it's like, well, if we can't turn these pitchers into productive pitchers, then how the hell are we ever going to get out of the basement of the worst division in baseball? I don't know the answer to that question, but it's interesting seeing the juxtaposition there because I'm sure there are a lot of people in Kansas city's organization, starting with the guy up top, the owner who came from Cleveland who are wondering why they can't develop the way Cleveland has developed pitchers. And, and you can look at Cleveland's farm system and uh, see more evidence of that with a lot of guys coming up. So it's, it is interesting, but I, I, I think it's also important to note like at the big league level, just, you know, as we talk about this team and they're just past the midpoint and it's they're they've been hovering around a 500 record. Um, you know, I, 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 like no area of this roster has excelled. Right. And that includes a rotation that we're not used to saying that as Midway Airport what falls down. What in the world is happening? I think a plane crashed into terminal here or something. That's the only explanation. But I mean, you even look at the, you look at the rotation and it's like, you know, like guys are having like solid seasons, like Bieber, McKenzie, I guess Quantrill, maybe Fleasac, but like they're all right around league average or slightly above. And I just think for this team to really make some noise in the second half, you need, you need that rotation to look like it did a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right, you're right, and this is a couple of years away from Williams and Espino making that jump to the major leagues. So that that's why I'm I'm trying to think of how do I swing for the fences with the pitching, and it even it comes back to the trade. It wasn't really a rumor; it was just your colleague Ken Rosenthal throwing out some trade ideas and possible names that might make sense for everyone to trade at the deadline and he pointed to the lack of starting pitching being a reason why maybe you shop a Zach Plesac. And I know it caught everyone like, what, why would, if, if maybe they're looking to add a starter, why would they be subtracting? But I, I think, let me go galaxy brain here for a second and, and walk this through what the guardians need is top of the rotation, upper tier pitching, because mm-hmm. I feel like they've got a ton of very safe floor pitchers. And I put Zach Plesac very firmly in that category, very solid, maybe mid rotation, occasionally scratches a little bit further up the tier list, but that's kind of what they have a ton of right now. I need guys, as I said, maybe a couple of weeks ago, that I feel confident going to hand a ball to in a playoff start, and I'm not sure I feel that about Zach Plesak. Wait, 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 wait. Pause this. I'm Ooh, waiting. Give me your rank your three. <laughs> we do this every <laughs> podcast I was, now. I knew I was going to do it. Uh, Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill. Huh. 
Still okay. hasn't changed. Thought I could have got you. I need Damn more, it. me more. What about Marquez? Stuff. Where would he <laughs> throw fit? him? Throw him in there. That was somewhere. Yeah. So if 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 we can agree that Plesac isn't really a a top of the rotation, I'm I'm skeptical that he's ever going to get back to what he was in in 2020. I think that was the outlier short season. Maybe he found a way to dip into some some additional stuff, velocity, whatever the case may be. I don't think that's the true Zach Plesac. I think what we're seeing right now is probably pretty close to what he is. So if someone is going to value a mid-rotation starter because they can't get a ton of pitching right now, I could maybe trade from that category because I feel like Cleveland has a bunch of that. What they need is to raise the ceiling for their upper rotation starters, the guys that are making playoff starts someday. And I think you can do both. I and, and this is not to say you just run Plesak to the same airport that you're at right now. I hope not. I hope he rema- maintains some element of safety. And if it appears that airport is not safe right now, he might have debris flying in the background. What I am saying is if someone really needs the starting pitching, I think there's a case to be made to, if they're interested in Zach Plesak, sure, listen. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm not saying you have to trade him for a prospect, but if it makes sense to get something else in a different area, I would entertain it for sure. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's why as we sit here, what, three weeks from the deadline about, I think there's a lot still in play um, because I think one move can necessitate another or set you up to make another and that's why, you know, I, I just laugh because I see articles or people ask on the radio and it's like buyer or seller, buyer or seller. And it's not, those lines have been blurred for years with like teams that operate the way Cleveland does, right? You know, Tampa like trades their best players and then the next day trades for Nelson Cruz. <laughs> Or like someone else legitimate and you're like scratching your head at both of them when they make them. And it's just, it's teams are just looking for opportunity. And I think the question that I always ask in these situations and whether it's Plesak or Framil Reyes or Ahmed Rosario, you know, the question you have to ask is, is the player more valuable to your team or would he be more valuable to another? And if the answer is another that's when you explore what might be possible. So like with Reyes, I kind of go the other way. I think he's more valuable to Cleveland because right now they don't have power. And I would think his trade value is pretty low given the way he's played uh, for a lot of this season. Um, You know, with Plesak, he's pitched a lot better of late. You said it, they have plenty of, Plesak clones in the organization. Um, so maybe he's more valuable to another team and, and you can you can make a trade that's going to make you maybe better in the long term and then you replace him with, I don't know, maybe, maybe this year it's a downgrade to Pilkington or something, but next year it could be an upgrade to Logan Allen. Who knows? So I think you just have to think through those things. They've been playing that game with Ahmed Rosario for a while now because you know you knew he wasn't a long-term solution. So at what point would it make sense to trade him? You'd have to have Arias or Freeman or someone ready. And then, you know, 
I mean, they could have traded him last winter, but they didn't know Jimenez was going to be an all-star. So there, there's a lot of things at play, but it, timing is everything. And I think with the timing, you just have to ask yourself, is, is this a player you believe in can help you long-term or is this someone who someone else really likes and therefore you pull the trigger on a trade? I, I will take you to task on one thing. I, I'm sorry. Did you say a lineup with no power? Did I just see a guy crush a 450-foot home run for his first career big league homer into yeah, the fountains? And, and they went and got it for him. I don't know who put on a <laughs> Speedo and goggles and went and swam in the fountains no, to get no, it. But. no, no, no. <laughs> That's not a visual I needed tonight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, someone grabbed it. Very impressive. You know, I know it's like with every rookie that comes up this year, it's like they, I mean, honestly, you could say this about a lot of Cleveland players the last few years. I was thinking back to Plesak and Savali coming up in 19 and like fueling the team's surge toward a wildcard spot. But we have to remind ourselves, right, that <laughs> There will be regression at some point, and Nolan Jones said about as perfect Uh, a weekend at the plate as he could have had. (laughs) I mean, every hitter on some level has experienced that this year, where you had Quan getting off to the hot start, and Kansas City is so tired of seeing seeing (laughs) Stephen Quan on base. (laughs) You guys see me, I don't know, going to Kansas City. Maybe that just ballpark, that fits him tremendously, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, we see him take a, a step back. Owen Miller had a great first couple of weeks and has just been dog doo-doo since. I mean, really bad to the point where his OPS is getting real close to where Fran Mill Reyes is. And we know what people think about the season that Fran Mill Reyes has had. And he's like right there with Owen Miller. So, yeah, of course, Oscar Gonzalez came up. He lit the world on fire for his few, first week or so. And then, of course... He's had some struggles before going on the IL. So I, I expect a similar thing with Nolan Jones. That was the whole theme here, is that I do expect those things are going to come, and I want him to experience him in the midst of a season that realistically is probably not about this team finishing in the playoffs. But I think 2023 very well could be about a season that's featuring Cleveland in the playoffs, and I want Nolan Jones to be ready for that. And And hell, I mean, he comes up in the first week. He looks like... It's not just like a, a rookie who looks like he belongs. He, that looked like a, a four-year pro. Like he's been up. This is his fifth year in the major leagues or something. That, that was probably what blew me away more than anything. And I guess maybe it just comes back to a guy that controls the strike zone the way that he is. You think he's going to get panicked up at the plate? No, this is a guy that's just very, very willing to just take his 20% walk rate and take first base. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, the way that that he manages the strike zone, but I thought we got a little bit of a glimpse of that in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, he's got a pretty professional profile, so I think that could help him because, I mean, big league pitchers are going to throw strikes more than minor league pitchers are, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe just that patience can help and that he will get more pitches to hit. Um, He's going to have to prove that he can hit off-speed pitches, and he did that this weekend, but... It's more than anything. It's just it's. I now I want to watch that guy hit for the next three months, pretty much every day. Agreed, and and I, I raise the point to you. I don't think you have an answer for me, but I thought I would raise it on this show. I wonder if someone like him benefits from getting up to major league umpire level. And this hmm. is where I I don't I haven't read many studies here recently about the differences between double A umpires, triple A umpires, 
and major league umpires and whether or not they get the calls right on the corners more frequently. But theoretically, could a guy like that benefit from being in front of better umpires? Are they better umpires? I don't know. But I, that's just a thought that occurred in my head. If you have an elite management of the strike zone and, and what it looks like, I would think that that would benefit someone like that to get in front of better performing umpires. I would think so. It's something I want to find out. I'd rather watch him play corner outfield than Ernie Clement. <laughs> you know, even when Oscar Gonzalez comes back, there should still be daily opportunities for Nolan Jones. Um, so it's, again, we've said this before, he's 24. It's, you know, this doesn't need to be a guy who you ease into there. It's yep. it's time to find out what he can do. Yep. All right, real quick, I know you got to run. Three all-stars. It feels weird. Usually I'm, like, pissed off at someone – didn't make the team and nope all three that we said should make the team made the team how about that yeah and a really cool way of doing it you know I think Andres Jimenez is a pretty humble quiet kid and um he even said he was surprised and Terry Francona announced Classe and Ramirez first everybody knew those two were gonna make it so it was just a, a pretty standard round of applause and then Francona still had one invitation in his hand, and he turned around and said, oh, by the way, also Andre Semenez, and everyone erupted with uh, with some, some cheering. So a very cool, well-deserved. Uh, I think they have the most all-stars of any team in the division, so that means they should win it, right? <laughs> That's how That's it's how it decided. Works. Yeah, yeah, clearly. All right, I know this is an abbreviated show, everybody, this week. Uh, we'll try to see what else we can do. Of course, we'll be at Patreon later this week. But Zach had a plane to catch, so he's got to get out of here. So for Zach Meisel, I'm TJ Zuppi. We wanted to give you something to begin your week with, so here it is. Hope you enjoy. And we'll be back very, very soon. So for Zach Meisel, I am TJ Zuppi. We'll see you at some point later this week. And until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>